Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Show Me Who. Welcome back. We're back with another episode of talking about news. Yes, and this week we're going to be talking about alternatives to staying informed. How do we do that in a way that's not disruptive? Yup. So Shufang, this week you've tried to stay off the grid. How did that go? Wait, I have to correct you. I didn't try to stay off the grid for one week. I tried to stay off the grid for actually from 2pm onwards. And, you know, like I've been thinking so much about the whole idea of trying to reduce my consumption of everything that's being shoved in my face. Mm-hmm. It just feels so overwhelming. And together with, of course, the quarantine, the stay-home notice, I'm just thinking of ways to be more grounded. Okay, I hate when people say that, but now I'm saying it anyway. But <laughs> just be more at peace with myself, given yeah. that, you know, we can't go anywhere right now. How did that go? Not well. <laughs> I said at 2 p.m. and I text you, I say, okay, bye, I'm going to be like off the grid. Yeah. And at 6 p.m., I really, really, really wanted to check the, my phone. I'm just like itching for it so badly. And then I started drinking. And then about, I don't know, 7, I actually checked my phone. <laughs> so it, did, it didn't even last like half a day. It didn't. And the thing is that for me, right, it's not so much that I want to reply or anything, but it's the fact that I just want to know. Like, is someone, did someone text me or... Well, did I get anything that's important? I just want to know that. I don't know why it's so addictive. Mm, that's true. I, I get that too, but um, I also have a really bad habit of checking my inbox and also social media just to see what other people have posted. So, right. yeah, I think we we are definitely all addicted to this. It's insane. So that's why today we want to talk about um, other alternative ways of staying up to date but not going insane with the whole rat race. Exactly. Okay, so let me start off with um, some interesting thing I've read, which is that there's this Copenhagen-based digital newsletter called Zetland, and they want to champion slow information. So their motto is, we prioritize knowledge over speed. And what they do is to publish only two articles a day into their subscribers' inbox, and only on weekdays. And if we think about most of the subscriptions that we have i think they easily have 10 articles in them like plus all the links to other news sources yeah it gets extremely overwhelming and you get lost in the whole trend not trend but the whole chain of information that sometimes not sometimes more like a lot of times i don't know what to prioritize Mm, i think what they're trying to do with that is to for you to choose like look, we have 15 things for you to choose from. There's got to be one thing they're interested in. But it also shows that mm, either they're trying to cover too much or they don't really have the discretion of what's more important. Yeah, and I guess we're in such a time where so-called everything is important. We need to know what's happening in like, every country, the politics, the economics, whatever, whatever. So it's insane. Um, I don't follow this newsletter, so I can't really say what their focus is on. But anyway, they only publish two articles a day. And to quote, their stories aim at correcting misunderstandings that seem to be spreading, highlighting underreported trends, or returning to topics that once dominated the news but then disappeared. And they think that journalists' job is to analyze and synthesize information that's out there, not to move information from A to B as fast as possible. I love it. I think it's great, the idea of this growing awareness of how people actually need slow journalism and what kind of importance it has on our society. 
Mm-hmm. Get straight into it. Yep. So we also came up with a few hypothetical situations just to exercise our minds and think about, you know, <laughs> yeah, use our imagination. Think about what the world could be if news was in a different form. Yes, I think while trying to come up with a solution for this, which, you know, we're just like two young girls trying to figure things out through Skype conversations. <laughs> and one way we thought of, of course, is to think of hypothetical situations that can be very extreme, like at the end of the spectrum, just to see what the role would be if, for example, say we don't we don't consume news daily, but we do it once a week, for mm. instance. And with the hypothetical situations, we are thinking out of it from two viewpoints, which is that one is through the viewpoint of a consumer, which is how we consume news and read them. And another the second point is how we create this information and the news. So consumer and creator point is of view. Yep. And nowadays all of us are creators even if you're not making a podcast but you know even just posting something to your instagram story <laughs> sorry i didn't catch that i said flex flex yeah you think, you think everyone can make a podcast look at the amount of effort <laughs> we put into this <laughs> for real though okay sorry it's not me actually i'm not sorry at all but yes like you said yeah, all of us are creators and we're all um we're all feeding we're we're all feeding the machine of churning out information. Okay, so let's talk about the hypothetical situations. One thing I thought of was um setting a space limit, which I think some uh initiatives have tried to do. There was this uh Google initiative where they you can print out um, the things that you want to read or do on a piece of receipt. So it's going to be really short and sweet. I need to... Can you start off with explaining what a space is? What a receipt is? What a space limit is. Oh, okay. So yeah, space limit. By that, I mean like... <laughs> what a receipt is. Yeah, by that, I mean like having a physical... <laughs> Um, physical limitation to how much you're allowed to write. Um, so we can think of newspapers. Usually there are fixed spaces. Or we can think about news broadcast on a television. Before it was like 24-hour news. Most of the time, news traditional news do have a fixed slot, like 30 minutes. So you have to prioritize what you want to broadcast and how much time you're putting on each <coughs> news segment. So... I think if that's something that can be extended more into the digital realm as well, that is a way to help us or like help the people making this news think about what they want to prioritize. So this hypothetical hypothetical situation is from the point of view of a creator in terms of mm. restricting how much you can actually produce and yes. put out Yes, yes. I actually I'm quite a firm be- believer that um, we should just produce less junk instead of all this like recycling and upcycling and I don't know what and I mean from my fashion background as well because I get a bit like I roll a bit when all these brands come out and say yeah we upcycle our fashion or we're environmentally friendly and we recycle and blah 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 upcycle 
Okay, so upcycling is to take something old and like make it new again. Like you add certain elements to it, or you take apart a few old garments and you make a new thing. So in that sense, it's not creating something out of nothing. What bothers you about upcycling in fashion? Mm, what bothers me is that. Um, at the end of the day, you're still trying to make things. Or these brands, like they, to them, it's a way of cutting costs as well because you're you don't have to make the materials. The materials are already there. You just take them from the dump or whatever that people throw away. You you're using it, so it's still a money making system. And instead of trying to recycle, I think we should just be more conscious and make less. Yeah, I I really like your analogy about how it's actually similar to reducing carbon dioxide with carbon emissions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if we think about it, uh, now that we realise that what we're doing with the carbon dioxide emission is destroying the earth, then we're like, yeah, uh, we need to... Or like, certain countries need to emit less and of course there's all this fight going around, but at least we recognise that there should be some limit. Otherwise, we'll just keep destroying the earth. And it's the same thing because news as well or content or all these different things that's available to us is bringing us a lot of stress too. So I, in terms of physical impact or mental impact, it's actually quite similar. Mm. I just wonder if um, it's ever going to reach a point or like what's the point where we decide that collectively that shit this is really bad we need to do something about it because otherwise we wouldn't want any sort of party or organization to tell us that no you cannot make more or you should be kept to this limit you know what i mean yes i'm so i'm thinking right now in terms of this current hypothetical situation we're discussing is from the point of a creator and then what about from the point of a consumer Mm, exactly i think when we say that we we want to as a consumer, we want um, we would like that to happen to make it easier for us, right? Because we won't feel that we need to choose what we need to read. Exactly. So there's there's less things and we feel um, less stress when choosing. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think as a consumer? Because in the hypothetical situations where we have discussed of in terms of cutting down what we receive as a consumer, it usually just means a type of authoritarian system whereby whatever information we get is all very controlled and highly regulated by one party, be it the government or the business. And that, to me, sounds more of a dystopia rather than a utopia, when everyone has the same level of information. Mm. Yeah, this was something else we discussed about uh, the information that people get. Like, whether everyone have the same, like, very little information or, or everyone is born with the same amount of all the information in the world we're mm. kind of at the same stage and because that just means everyone is the same and therefore you can't really have a meaningful discussion or or like the information that you have is just decided by whoever is giving it which means that in that case the more so-called mm, impactful change would be in terms of changing how much people are allowed to produce or put out in the world which of course goes against everything that you know, this <laughs> civilization and society stands for in terms of free speech and the ability to put out whatever you want and discuss whatever you want. Capitalism. 
Okay, how about I mean <laughs> m- maybe instead of saying that that it's authoritarian, like only one party gets to decide what is put out. Like we can have all these voices, but everyone is limited to just one article per day or limited to, to a certain amount of content that, that they can produce. So even though there are a lot of voices out there, the overall content is still less. Maybe that helps a little bit. You mean in terms of a two-way solution? Two-prong method. Oh, gross. <laughs> Perhaps. It's, it's so impossible to think about, right? So another thing I thought about is, for instance, if all of us as social media users are only allowed to make one post a day, because now we can post like 10 million posts. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that will make us think more about what's the post we want to post. It, it really makes people, force people to think about what they prioritize so that if, let's say, I know that, first of all, I don't really post one post a day, but if I do, I really think about what I want to post. As yeah. opposed to just like posting a bunch of leaves. Like, so, or maybe that's important to me. So let's, let's not shit on people who post leaves on their stories. But yeah, yeah, maybe this um this goes into another another discussion because people also say that like the way for instance Instagram is is formed where there's um uh there not not feed, what is it called like your page where everyone can see what you've posted and then it feels like you have to curate it and then you have to think very long for like what you want to post when like with your phone you're just taking one million photographs. Ugh, that's crazy Wait, too. That's the point. Uh, that like maybe putting one post a day is giving people a lot of stress too. But maybe that's the point. Like stress more about what you want to tell the world. <laughs> I think okay, if we have to categorize things, perhaps in terms of social media, yes, we can also consume news from social media. But in terms of like personal blogging and mm. of what you want to take down, some sort of like a personal blog, then it will be hard to actually put limits on to people as to what they can post. Whereas for maybe for more mm, news-related channels, it makes sense to have this type of restrictions. Yeah, it's just really blurred right now because everyone is sharing news. So it's quite... Yeah, it's hard. But we have put it out there. Put it out there in the world. Someone just listened to us. And <laughs> I'm sure... No, I don't know. I'm sure people are thinking about it. So let's talk about this. the syllabus... Yes. Syllabus, which is the whole reason why we got inspired to talk about this topic, actually. Um, basically, it's written by this guy called Evgeny Morozov. And we actually talked about him last week as well. Mm-hmm. He was a big critic of big tech long before it became fashionable. And then so he decided to build the syllabus, which is an online system that breaks the laws of the attention economy. Mm-hmm. Two things that he's trying to do with the syllabus is that the first thing he wants to make sure that important relevant information does not disappear into the background because right now information is actually primarily spread through what is most popular so that means whatever content that actually generates clicks that's easy to package or can be standardized so this is his first motive for creating the syllabus the second one is that he wants to see this as hijacking the way the attention economy works. Instead of all these celebrities posting things on Instagram, he hopes that intellectuals can turn their attention towards more serious content. 
intellectuals. Intellectuals, right. like us. Obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> intellectual. At least we are trying to use our intellect. <laughs> oh my god. Please stop. I feel embarrassed for ourselves. <laughs> okay, yeah, the syllabus, I subscribe to it. And one thing I like is that they have quite they pro they use quite a wide variety of information sources, so videos, podcasts, um, academic journals, and articles from different news sources. And he talked about how he built the system, which is a secret. But the gist of it is that he has uh he he, he mm, his team built like a certain code to, and he will have all these keywords that he will run all the information through to, to establish how, uh, okay, the link of the keywords to, mm. the, to the new source. So that helps them determine how relevant it is for them. And, and then it will rank the different news information. And then they also have some human minds to see through all this and make the final syllabus that gets delivered to people. Mm-hmm. And do you like it in terms of Okay, I'm going to be honest right here is that I've also tried to, I've subscribed and I've tried to read some of the, um, the curated syllabus. I don't think it's really for me. And I think that right now, of course, because it's still a new idea, the execution-wise, it's still something that I'm improving on. But not I really for, appreciate mm, what they're trying to do right now. Not for you in terms of the content or like just the way that it's, uh, you don't think it's very user-friendly or something? Both. Yeah, both for me. Maybe also because I don't like extremely lengthy articles. It really depends, of course. It depends on whether the article, the topic is really curated for, I think it's in terms of the subject matter that has been selected. It's not something that I'm totally interested in. Mm. So I find it very hard to continue or finish reading other different articles, even though I've already selected the ones that are my interests. Right. Yeah. I think that's still a little bit of a mismatch. I would say that the information they pick are quite can be quite difficult to 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 chew through because that that's the whole point also, right? To make us think more. But it's like actually we sometimes we just don't want to think. So <laughs> So I totally get you. Um it can be quite dense and my problem is that Actually, with all these newsletters, is that it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Like people, like once they have some subscribers and it's getting traction, then there's like, oh, how about this too, and then this too, and now we have a COVID nineteen newsletter and we have a this newsletter, and it's just, phew, yeah. It's exhausting. I mean, I get it. Yes, there are a lot of misinformation about COVID nineteen right now, but there's so much to catch up on it's impossible it's like okay the Singapore news and like the, the syllabus COVID-19 special edition and so on and so forth yeah exactly it's uh it's quite crazy so um the we want to talk about this because we think it's, in, it's important to have initiatives like this to rethink the way that we can receive news and to really put importance um for different maybe so-called more important information or like give voice to different kinds of people but it might not be for everyone but at least you know this thing is out there yes it's definitely a start towards more you may perhaps more i want to say 
user-friendly or mass market, but something that's more digestible for the average person. Yeah, it, it's it's really hard to find a balance there. That something that makes people think, but also not too like not boring or you know a bit more entertaining. Because a lot of times, I think we want to be entertained. It's we're already so stressed. Yes, and I mean, I suppose. Oh, this is like if we want to talk about like, what makes good journalism, it needs to be able to reach the average person as well. Yeah, that's so true. Which this might be a bit um off point, but I think that. That's why I really appreciate a lot of dramas or m- films, movies right now because I think they actually help people to talk about societal issues like, in a much more entertaining way. That's true, in a way that's actually accessible to them. Exactly, and the thing is that with dramas or films, they're fictional, but they kind of reflect reality. So they're not they're not actually making every... Um, you know, th- there's no harm being done so called of like the real person's story being like butchered by everyone that's true and i love documentaries and i think that's a way for me to access information yeah in an engaging manner definitely i i like documentaries too i think we should watch more documentaries <laughs> speaking of documentary uh-huh yeah so we wanted to kind of wrap up this entire episode by discussing well, what can we discuss really at this point? <laughs> How, yeah, there's like so much. Okay, let's take a 10 seconds to breathe and think about this. No, but to discuss like, what is the best way to consume news right now at this point? That's a big question to tackle. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the documentary that you've been watching and what, what that made you think about? Mm-hmm. So the documentary, shout out to Lincha. <laughs> yeah, it's called Ugly Delicious. And the host, who is David Chang, who is like really famous restaurants worldwide. Actually, I don't know whether, yeah, I think it's worldwide. He goes around to talk about the different food in different cultures. And a lot of times, he, just, he discusses the history behind food. For example, one that really start with me was fried chicken. So there's a really huge connotation with African-Americans in America because when they were enslaved, they could only raise chickens, which means that when people were trying to be racist, they just say that, oh yeah, you know, that guy, even though he's really goth, he just eats fried chicken. Mm. So what he was discussing is, so is it important for people to actually know this history when they're eating the food, whatever it is, to really understand and appreciate how far it has come which then of course brings us to the topic of what do we need to know or like how much do we need to know in terms of a civic responsibility versus for example just personal interest well it's it's really quite a lot because if we're talking about news and staying up to date then definitely there are those aspects of civic responsibility we should know what's happening in the world as we are part of it but again, it's like, how much do we need to know, right? Well, the food one is, is really a tough question because it's it, it's like such a ubiquitous thing that if we need to know even that, like we, if we need to know the history behind even the things that we're eating, then that's that's how we need to know everything, man. Like we need to dig behind all the things that we're consuming and yeah. all the things that sounds quite insane to me. 
it's impossible to catch up in that case. I mean, clearly he's someone who is very passionate about food mm-hmm. and he's an American and this is something that's very tied closely to the different people that he's been growing up with his life. So to him, it feels like, okay, actually this matters. But whereas, mm. for example, us, when we are so far away, if we actually need to know or be up to date with all this different news information, then that's, that's a lot of work. I would say that, so taking the example of food, um, we shouldn't be expected to to find out everything or to know. But the thing is that if we want to, so this goes into cultural appropriation. So if we want to do something that might be insensitive, so then of course we should, or like maybe we're not really in a position to talk about something, then maybe that's the time that we should be finding out more. And let's say if we go to a restaurant and we don't know the right way of eating something, like if someone else is telling us how we should do it, then that's the time to learn. But at the same time, the other person shouldn't be like, how can you be eating here when you don't know how to eat this? Like, I think that's not good, too. Is this back to the shamer, shamey mentality? Yeah, which, which, like, pretty much got us talking about this as well, right? Like, why is it that we need to know everything? Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm still trying to figure out, like, why people would be like, what, what, the, what the hell, like, how can you not know this? Um, in terms of the food, okay, I see what you mean, which means that we need to know enough information so that we don't behave like a, I don't know, like a cultural, culturally in-depth person. Mm, yeah, so, it, yeah, and it's about respect, right? A lot of these minorities feel that their food culture, and they, they're not being respected when it comes to their food. And then when people try to profit off like opening a Chinese restaurant or whatever fusion restaurant, there was this story about um, this white couple in New York that tried to open a Chinese takeout restaurant but they branded it as a like clean Chinese takeout without all the grease and all the whatever that is bad for your health so obviously it got people really angry yes I think I, I know what you're talking about because it must have been featured in the documentary too and then the Chinese girl retweeted that to be like this is the most racist thing I've ever seen and people were genuinely confused like she got messages with people asking her like why is it racist Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess yeah, it's it's hard, right? Like for um for people that were not on the receiving end, like if you're not a Chinese family opening a restaurant, then it's hard for you to understand. Because even for um like so called Western food, whatever that means, like if you talk about we want to make a more healthy version, then why is that okay? And why why is it that if you say you want to make a healthier Chinese cuisine it's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's again like back to the history of all these Chinese migrants who open restaurants and they have to make their food greasier actually to suit American taste. So yeah. It's quite ironic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think the biggest takeaway is that like you said, it's all about being respectful to other people, to other cultures and being open minded and being willing to learn. Yeah, and not just to other cultures, okay? Like, to everyone else when you're talking about things that, we, things that we need to know. Let's not all assume that what we know is what everyone needs to know. I love how you're like, please stop shaming me for the things that I don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> for real, though. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Mm. 
Okay, I, I like, I really like the article that you have started this episode with about discussing how whether slow and steady can win the race. Mm. He said that right now there's an opportunity for journalism to build products that are deeply helping people and have people pay for these products. When you don't have infinite scroll and you don't constantly try to grab more attention, you free people up and reduce the amount of stress they feel as they are in an environment. Because this environment doesn't want so much more from them. You feel like your goals are more aligned with what you are using because it's like, okay, this is why I came here. Now it's done. I'm off to the next. Yep. Sounds great. I think we just need to have less next. Like even for me every day, I, I feel like even if I subscribe to something that helps me limit how much I'm consuming, there's something else that can take my attention. So I think my conclusion for all this is try and get try and have less next thing to do. Yeah. I agree. I like that. I'm gonna try again my off the grid situation. Maybe I can I can last for six hours. <laughs> is that one more hour than yesterday? <laughs> Something like that. Okay, let's try it. I keep you, uh, yeah, keep you in tap. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thanks for Thanks. listening. For listening, people. Yes, please discuss this with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> see whether they shame you. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. No, no, no. You should be sharing them. Like, how you doing this podcast? <laughs> oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Both of these, everything we have talked about today, but that's exactly the point. What everyone should take away from this episode. Do you not know SMH podcast? Like, oh my god, you're so out. (laughs) Nice. Share the podcast. Okay. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye.